Thank you.
Hallelujah. Amen. God is good. Amen. Hallelujah. I like what I feel and I feel what I like. Amen. Today has been a good day. And the day has gotten even better now that we can come inside of the house of the Lord and just gather together in his name and share in his word, worship him together, praise him together, love one one another, and just be who God called us to be. It's a blessing. Amen. And I don't take it lightly uh, to be together again, to be able to fellowship, to be able to share in the word of God, and to just feel the presence of the Lord together. And so without further ado, we're going to go before the Lord in prayer. Amen. We greet all of you in Jesus' name, if you will stand with me. Amen. Wherever you are, even if you're at home, uh, all this week I've been on um, I've been on Zoom calls with um, the United Pentecostal Church International. We had a lot of business meetings that we had to attend to, and so obviously the op- options were to either be a part of the meeting. You can fly out to St. Louis and be there in person, or you could do it uh, by Zoom. And I think probably about 70% of us did it by Zoom, and 30% went in person. It's so interesting. Um, we with um, the just participate in everything like I was there, like they could hear me. All of, all, all four of them say, hi, hi. I'm like, did they hear that? And then when they would say, when we would begin all of our meetings and they would say, let's stand and let's pray. And I stood and I prayed. Um, you know, I tried to, uh, whenever I'm doing anything virtually, since we've started doing a lot virtually, I try to do everything that's going on with, in, in, in the building that they're doing it. I try to do what they're doing uh, just to be a part at home to do that. And if you will pray with me sincerely, if you will interact sincerely, um, even though just just understand that your seat that you're sitting in is just in a different place, but you're still a part of what's going on. And if you treat it like that, then it means you'll stand, you'll pray when we pray, you'll worship when it's time to worship. And believe you me, I have um, experienced the, per- the presence of God, the power of God, um, while I was in tune with um, any of our services that was um, far away. And so God can do great things if we would just be one in how we interact and how we participate in our services, whether it's virtually or it's here in person. If we will just participate together, I believe God will do something within us. So. Uh, I, I thought that was just interesting. I did it, and I've always done it that way since we have been um, interacting virtually, and it's been a blessing. I, I feel like it works. You just have to get into a place, like at home when I do it, I'm in my office, I close the door, and I'm just in there, and I feel like I'm just right there with everyone else. So I greet you all in the wonderful name, you that are here, and those of you that are viewing virtually, and I pray that God will help us. 
Uh, we started a series last week um, entitled um, Back to the Beginnings, and uh, we started talking about um, altars and sacrifice, and I'm going to do a little bit of review and touch on something new this evening, but you know, every once in a while, I'll tell you this as, 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 as being in the role of a pastor, every once in a while, I feel like um, I kind of see it, um, that um, we're, not, um, we're not holding on to what we're hearing. We're not practicing what we're hearing. And so whenever I pick up on that, I start going slow and I start repeating. Whenever I feel like we're not picking up on things, I start going slow and I start repeating myself. So you might say, he said that before. It's okay. I'm saying it again because I feel like we're not catching on. We're not, you know, taking hold of it. We're not practicing it. And so I'll go over it again and take my time. So that's just believe that it's just how we learn. Learning is rep- repetitive. Um, athletes know that better than anybody. I asked Brother Darrell. Um, he knows it. I mean, you know, it, it, they spend a lot of time. Right, Brother D? Practicing things over and over, hearing the same things over and over, keep doing the same things over and over. You might think that, come on now, but the more you hear it over and over, the more you practice it over and over, the more it becomes part of your lifestyle and you start to kind of show it in how you live your life. And that's the goal for every one of us. If we're going to get to heaven, we have to start practicing what we understand, what we have heard and understand. Sometimes we hear things that we don't, obviously, we probably won't practice that because we didn't really catch it that time. The good news is the seed was planted and the time will come again where you'll hear it again and you'll say, oh, and it clicks. So trust me, it might sound repetitive, but it's it's helpful that we hear the same things of God, especially over and over again. So let's pray tonight and ask God to help us in our Bible study. Father, we love you. We're thankful. We're grateful for your goodness, your mercy, your kindness, your love. I am always so in awe of you, Lord, of how kind you are to us, of, of how, Lord God, you are so gracious towards us, of how you are forgiven and you're always extending your grace towards us, giving us, Lord, Lord opportunity, Lord God, to to allow your word to take root in our heart and to become a part of us, Lord God. You, you're you so good to us. You're so kind, Lord God, and always seeming, Lord God, to, to, to help us, Lord God, to work with us, Lord God. The, 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 the opportunities and chances that you've given us to be successful, Lord God, is beyond what we deserve. But you, oh God, you continue to still give Give us these opportunities and chances so we can become tonight. We're thankful for another opportunity to become who you want us to become, Lord God. And Lord, we open our heart to you tonight, Lord God. We just don't want to be hearers, Lord God. We don't just want to be intellectual, Lord God, in, in the world. But Lord, things in your word, that word there's some things in that has been spoken 
part of us where we will Lord begin to do it Father and so Lord we pray for your help tonight Lord God because we can only grow with your help we can only become who we need to be with your help and tonight we're asking Lord God that you will move in us Lord God and that you will mold us on and make us oh God into the things and, and what you are called us to be and who we are in you and so we ask tonight God and that you will instruct us Lord God and that you will help us. In the name of Jesus Christ, will you bless each and every one of us tonight, Lord God. As I know. We'll give you the honor and the praise continually. We ask you to bless our time. Things will take place deep down in of us, Lord, and that the Lord say amen. Those of you that are viewing virtually say amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. If you blink, you're going to miss the lesson tonight because I'm not going to be long. So if you blink, you might miss out tonight because I'm not going to be long. And I'll tell you the reason why I'm not going to be long this entire week, not the entire week, but since Tuesday, uh, we have been, um, uh, our general conference international has been happening virtually online. And so it starts at 730 our time. Um, so it just got started and they normally start out with prayer. The preaching probably will start about 830, 835. And so I would like for you to get some of the preaching tonight. Our general superintendent, um, Bishop Reverend Dr. David Bernard will be ministering. And it's a tremendous, tremendous opportunity to hear him speak. So I will not be long because if you can get a chance to hear him, I want you to hear him because he has a prophecy that he will. Um, um, someone gave him a prophecy about Corona over a year ago, written down. And when they gave it to him, it was so much involved in it that he just, and he said, he put it away. As he began, as took place, time of conference approached, and he realized he was going to preach, all of a sudden the Lord brought it back to his mind and says, remember that prophecy. Now go back and look at it and share it with the organization. So the bottom line is this, church, God, obviously, obviously, because he's almighty God, knew Corona was coming. He knew what was going to happen. And like I've and he never stopped. Because there were some things that will, would be accomplished in the midst of Corona. And, and he allowed it. So unfortunately, we lost some people. But if they were in Christ, the good news is they are with Christ. And so they're better off than us. Tonight, you can um, stream it. 
at upci.org forward slash live. upci.org forward slash live. And if you get that on any of your devices, you will be able to the service tonight. But when we're teaching, as you know, we will continue to read the same text over and over. Repetition is good. Somebody say repetition is good. Amen. You want muscles, Luke? Repetition, right? All right. So we know if we put the repetition in, it's a good thing. We will be successful if we continue to repeat things. Genesis 8, verse number 15. And God spake unto Noah, saying, go forth of. Every living thing that is with thee of all flesh, both of fowl and of cattle and of every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth, that they may breathe abundantly in the earth and be fruitful and multiply upon the earth. Verse number 18, Genesis chapter 8. And Noah went forth and his sons and his wife and his sons wives with him. Every beast, every creeping thing and every fowl. And whatsoever creepeth upon the earth after their kinds went forth out of the ark. And Noah built an altar unto the Lord and took of every clean beast and of every clean fowl and offered burnt offerings on the altar. Verse 28-21, And the Lord smelled a sweet savor. And the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake, for the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite anymore everything living as I have done. So we read that last week. We're reading this again. And what we are looking at is what Noah did when he first came off the ark. So we're going to the beginning. Remember, we do have the beginning of when God created Adam and Eve. God sent the flood. And when the flood came, it destroyed everything Everyone, all flesh, and guess what? Only Noah and his family, which was um, seven other people, him, make eight. Only Noah and his family and all the animals that they placed in the ark was saved. And so the, 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 the earth was populated by those eight people and those animals that was in the ark. So that's a, that's a place of beginning. So that's where we take our first beginning state from, which is notice when they came off the ark, Noah didn't open the ark's door because when Noah went into the ark, Noah didn't close the ark's door. There's something there to learn, church. I always tell you, I'm trying not only to teach you the word of God, but to teach you the ways of God so you understand how God operates. And what you want to take from that is God will do God things and we must do the things that God instructs us to do. And sometimes you're not hearing from God uh, and you're wondering why. You have to stop and ask yourself, 
is what I'm asking and looking for God for. Is it a God or is it a human thing? We always have to stop and ask ourselves. Because we can be asking God to do something for us when God is saying, if you've looked into my word, you will realize that's a responsibility of yours, not mine. And if I'm going to raise my children right, I'm going to make sure they do what they're responsible to do and I will do what I'm responsible to do. Closing that ark door was God's responsibility. Opening that ark's door was God's responsibility. But man's responsibility was to hear what God said. God's because you can frustrate yourself trying to get God to do what you should be doing. You can frustrate yourself trying to fast and to pray and to plead to God, God, oh God, and you're wondering why God is not doing it. You fasted, and matter of fact, you fasted one day, then he didn't do it. You said, well, next week I'm going to fast three days. And so you up the ante, and you fasting, and you're praying for God to do something, and God is looking like, listen to me, sis, listen to me, brother, it's a... Human responsibility, not a God responsibility. So the bottom line. The first thing Noah did was built an altar when he came out. And that's where we had kind of started our lesson to understand that one of the very first things that Noah did, not one of the very first thing that Noah did when he came out of the ark was to build an altar to offer up sacrifice and thanksgiving unto the Lord. He the first thing he did when he came out, came out of the ark. Offered up sacrifice, giving my head, I will say there are at least three places in your life you need to build an altar. There are at least three places in your life you need to build an altar. In your home, in your car, and at the church. In your home, in your car, and at the church.
a obligation with to And when to God and God, uh, and this is really kind of fishy because sometimes the devil will do the thing that you said and you think it's God. So let me make sure I say. To do something, no, that's it. <laughs> the third thing is uh, some people that are uh, religious or they are not saved, they will offer up a sacrifice as good works to earn salvation. So we will offer up a sacrifice to God as good works. So, so, and so, listen to me carefully. There are people that are. Uh, <laughs> How do I say this? There are what we would call good people. Commanded them to be born again of the water of the spirit and live a holy and righteous life. It doesn't matter how much good things they do, they cannot be saved. So we can't bargain with God doing something nice to say, well, God understands I am a nice person. I do nice things for people. So the bottom line is he's going to save me because I'm nice. That's somebody that's religious. Or somebody that is not a Christian that will think that way. Now, a Christian, a child of God, when they offer Christ, here is how they offer know you've been good to me. God, I know you're kind and loving and merciful. And so I offer unto you a sacrifice because you are just so good. 
That's true. That should be our position of offering up a sacrifice unto God as Christians. We should also offer up a sacrifice as an expression of dependence on God. God, I'm offering up myself to you because I know I have to depend on you. I am totally dependent upon you. And somebody prayed and say, God, I am praying because I am so totally dependent upon you. And without you, I am nothing. Without you, I can accomplish nothing. Without you, I'm not even living and breathing. And so, God, I give myself to you because you are the one that I'm totally dependent upon. When was the last time we offer up a recognition of truth and justice and punishment offered up to God? So sometimes we offer sacrifice to God because we know. Glorify God. So sometimes we just offer a sacrifice. Lord, we give you honor. We glorify your name. And so that's how we as Christians are supposed to offer up a sacrifice unto the Lord. Listen, when we offer up a sacrifice, we offer up a sacrifice calling on the name of the Lord. Here is something big that we got to remember. Remember, I told you it's not a sacrifice if it's not valuable. It's not a sacrifice. So you can't say, God, I offer up to you a sacrifice when it didn't cost you anything. You can't say, God, I offer up to you a sacrifice when it's not valuable. Here is some proof. Genesis chapter 22. We're going to skip around in chapter 22. Let's read verse 1 and 2. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt. The word tempt don't mean he tempted him. Literally, it means he tested Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, behold, here I am. And he said, take now thy son, thy only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him therefore and burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. Genesis, same 22, but now I jump down to verse 7 through 18. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them on together. And so Isaac have watched his father sacrifice many times and he knew wood, fire, sacrifice. And so they're carrying this stuff to Mount Moriah for the sacrifice. And Isaac is saying in his mind, man, dad, you, you usually don't do sacrifice like this. You normally when you do a sacrifice, you have the lamb, you have the fire, you have the knife, you have all this stuff, you have the wood. I don't see all of that today. What am I missing here, dad? And Abraham, in his wisdom, said to his son, the Lord will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. Verse nine. And they and they came to the place which God had told him of. Watch it. And Abraham built an altar there. So God told him to go to Mount Moriah. Okay, 
And so he decided we're going to Mount Moriah. We're going to do a sacrifice. But when he came to Mount Moriah and God said, this is the place. What did he do? He built an altar. What have we been talking about? The importance of an altar. An altar is important in our life. And if we don't have an altar in our life, the, the, the chance of us walking in truth and pleasing God is very minimal because you can't make this journey without having altars in your life. Where should altars be? Altars should be at home. Altars should be in your car. And altars should be in the house of God where you come to worship. So you should always have altars in your life because there is where you establish so many things between you and God. And so Abraham built an altar right there in Mount Moriah where God told him to come up and bring Isaac and sacrifice him. And so, and he laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. And he said, lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son from me. A sacrifice must be valuable. A sacrifice must cost you something. Abraham was bringing his firstborn. Abraham was bringing the chosen child to the Lord, the one who was supposed to cause him to have children and grandchildren, the one who was supposed to represent his future. Abraham was bringing him to the altar in the Mount of Moriah and sacrifice him. He was there to sacrifice his one and only son. There's been many of a theologian that have their description of why they did it. They, they, they claim, hey, Abraham knew if he killed his son, God would have rose him back up. Abraham knew that while he get up there, God will figure something out and, and, and like he did and, and he wouldn't have the sacrifices. Nevertheless, Abraham proved to the Lord he was willing to give up his only son in sacrifice. And the Lord saw that and responded to Abraham. So we must understand what's wrong sometimes where we're waiting for God to commune with us. We're waiting for God to speak to us. We're waiting for God to give us direction. But the issue is we're probably not offering up the right sacrifice. We're probably not offering up anything that's of value. We're probably not offering up anything that's costing us something. So when we say, here God, God is saying that's not anything valuable. You're not giving me anything, which means you don't reverence me. But Abraham, he reverenced God and because he reverenced God he was willing to offer up his pride and joy. Back then a a son was more valuable to a man than his wife. That's what he was getting ready to offer up. God is showing us something. He's trying to get us to understand the importance of having an altar and offering up Something valuable, something 
something that will cost you something as you commune with him. And hear me, church, I believe that many of us, we struggle in our relationship with God. We struggle in getting direction from God. We struggle in being consistent in our walk with God. We struggle in uh, many things in trying to live for God because we're not offering up a sacrifice unto God that is costing us something that is valuable. Sometimes I'm telling you, I you wonder, sometimes we're worrying about why is this necessary or is that necessary? Well, church, just take it from this standpoint. Forget about people. Just think about this. Are you giving God something that's costing you something? That's what it comes down to. And so we're looking at certain behavior and certain way of living for God as no big deal. And it's not that serious. And why should we ever do that? But I'm here to show you something in the Bible that Abraham was offering up his only son that God gave him because he trusts God. And he wanted God to know, I will not withheld, withhold anything from you no matter what. And we are withholding so much from God. So much from God. If I tell you some things right now, as the pastor of the church, I've withheld many things because I don't want to offend you sometimes. I don't want to hurt your feelings because I'm preaching to you hoping that you will grow. And as you grow, I will share harder things and harder things. Uh, but I'm waiting for you sometime to come up another level before I can share some things because I don't want to hurt you. But God, I'm telling you, according to his word, he is expecting you to offer unto him things that are valuable, things that cost you something and if you're going to live for God and don't give him something that's costing you every time you think about it it costs you then are you really offering up the right sacrifice are we really doing that I want God to hear my prayers I don't want to be frustrated in how I live for God and I'm giving you the secret sauce tonight of not being frustrated. And part of the, the secret sauce of not being frustrated is to make sure you offer unto God something that's valuable. Something that's costing you something. If your Christian walk is not costing you anything, you're not hearing from God. If your Christian walk is not costing you anything, you're not getting a whole lot of instructions from God. Until it starts costing you something. I don't like to put people on the spot, but I just think this is amazing. And so I always put Brother D on the spot. I told you the other day, got a nice vehicle and I celebrate with him. I am so happy for him because I know what he what he what he set out to do. And he set out to put his kids through college and make sure they were good. Then he decided to take care of himself. That's what he started out. I'm going to make sure they're good, and when they're good, then I'll take care of myself. It cost him something. It cost him driving a regular car for many years. We laughed at his, the other day, his wife and I laughed at his, his first vehicle that he ran in the hole, and one day it just stopped driving. And so we laugh at that. You know, and we, we, we talk about, you know, the, the, the process of making sure they were good. He had to sacrifice. It cost him something. And so that's an example of when we're thinking about when we offer something to God, the question has to be, did it cost you anything? Is it valuable to God? Forget about what you think. Is it valuable to God? All right.
I'm going to take this down. Verse 13, and Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, be, behind him, a ram caught in the thicket by his horn. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah Jireh. As it is said in this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time and said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thy son, thy only son, that in blessing, I will bless thee, and in multiplying, I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heavens and of the sand and as of the and as the sand which is upon the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies, and in the seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. So there are things that God wants to entrust us with. But we haven't entrusted God with stuff. It's a two-way street for God. And we keep thinking because he's God, he's supposed to do what you think he's supposed to do. And really what he's saying is, let me give you a black and white, just clear communication. What God is saying is when you will give me the most precious possession you have, when you will give me the most valuable thing you have, I will give you the most valuable thing I have. You ever see kids trading food at lunchtime? Don't listen. Unless it's just a weird kid that wants something weird. The bottom line is we got to feel like we're trading something even. I'm not cutting my burger with you when you just got a bologna sandwich. Just just think nowadays, like my kids, they don't care. They want to go to school with curry chicken and rice. Back in my days, they would have been like, man, what's up with you? Curry chicken and rice. But they don't care. They'll go with curry chicken and rice. I'm sure Jordan not swapping his curry chicken and rice for a turkey sandwich. You better come strong. But it's the same premise with God. He's saying, come on now, let's do some fair trading. Even though it will never be fair, I just want you to give what is valuable to, to you, to me, because I will give what's valuable to you. That's valuable to me. And so it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a trade that God is saying, let's meet here. Let's, let's do an exchange where we both are, 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 are given something that's valuable to us. And so Noah built the altar. He offered up a sacrifice and all those things transpire. The altar is a place of sacrifice and prayer. It's where we intimately commune with the Lord God. It is where we receive revelation from God. It's where we receive instructions from God. It is where we sustain our basic and fundamental application in our relationship with God. It keeps us connected to our foundation, which is Jesus Christ. The altar is very important and we need to have an altar in our life. The altar is so important that when God told them to build a tabernacle. He says, I want you to put a brazen altar in the courtyard, not even inside the tabernacle, but in the courtyard of the tabernacle. I want a brazen altar because what it was, the brazen altar was in the courtyard. And guess what? All ceremonies and services began at the brazen altar. It should be the same for us today. All service to God must begin at the altar. What does that mean? The priest was 
the, the person that went into the altar, that went inside the, 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 the holies of holy, the holy place and the holies of holy, um, uh, the, the holy place and then the holies of holy once a year. And the priest went in and what we call ministered unto the Lord for the people. But guess what? In order for him to go inside of the tabernacle, not in the courtyard, inside, when he gets in the yard, he had to sacrifice an animal there. And with the blood and all of that stuff, as he sacrificed the animal, then he had to go and wash himself before he went inside of the tabernacle. He couldn't go inside without stopping at the brazen altar because then he would be considered as unclean. The Bible calls us today royal priesthood. <laughs> this is why we don't have to go to a priest any longer and go confess anything to him because the Bible says we are a royal priesthood. So we minister unto the Lord ourselves. We don't need to go to a priest and, and tell the priest and he go to the Lord for us. We now go to the Lord ourselves and minister unto the Lord. Uh-huh. And so it's important that we, we, we understand that the altar was important. God wanted a brazen altar in the courtyard of the tabernacle. The priest had to use that brazen altar before he can go inside. Listen to me. In order for us to start our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, it starts at the altar. What do you mean, preacher? The altar, we said, is a place of death, a place of sacrifice. And in order for us to start the process of salvation, what we do is we go to God and we repent. Repentance must be done at the altar because what you're saying is, Lord, I give my life to you. I surrender my life to you. And from this moment on, I now live unto you, O God, and not unto myself. That's your first repentance prayer that you should pray unto the Lord is that you no longer will live the way you want to live, but you're giving your life to Christ and you will live the life Christ wants you to live. That's dying to yourself. So when you die to yourself, you do that at an altar. God knows what he's doing. It is an altar where our true relationship begin with God. We die to self and submit our life to Christ. An altar. Back in the day, God is showing us something. When you present an altar, a uh, uh, sacrifice to God and he was pleased with it, fire came and consumed it. I'm finishing up here. When you gave an altar to the Lord back in the day, fire came and consume it. And that was the Lord's way of saying, I am pleased with what you've offered me. I am pleased. It's, uh, it's valuable. I'm, I am pleased because it cost you something. Remember Cain and Abel. It wasn't an altar there, but just remember. And so if God showed us way back then, that an accepted offering unto him, an accepted sacrifice unto him will cause him to consume it with fire. Today, God says, present your bodies, living sacrifice. And so no longer is he asking you to make the sacrifice an animal. He's not asking you that. He's asking you to be the sacrifice. 
He said, you must be the sacrifice. You're going to do it as a living Christian man or Christian woman. You're going to be the sacrifice. And I want you to present it. But it got to be holy. It got to be acceptable unto God. And it is reasonable that I'm asking you that. And if you present your body a living sacrifice to God, holy and acceptable, which is our reasonable service, guess what? Fire will consume it. And that's what I mean by do you give God the gift that he's asking you for. Because when you give yourself as the sacrifice, God, if he says it's the right sacrifice, he's going to consume you. This is why the fire of the Holy Ghost begin to move on you. Because fire represents the Holy Ghost. And so back then it was a natural fire. But today the fire is the Holy Ghost. And so when I give my life to Christ and I set it on the altar as a sacrifice and I call on his name and I say, here I am, Lord. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do. Wherever you want me to go, I'll go. However you want me to live, I'll live. Whatever you want me to look like, I'll look like. God, just whoosh, and just just consume me, and before you know it, uh, oh, the power of God uh, starts moving on me uh, to the point where I can't even speak uh, in the regular language. Uh, I will just begin to speak uh, in an unknown tongue uh, because it's the fire of the Holy Ghost. Uh, and when the day of Pentecost had fully come, uh, they were with one accord in one place, uh, and suddenly there came a sound uh, from heaven. as fire and it filled the whole house where they were sitting and they began to speak in another tongue as the spirit gave them the utterance because when we offer up ourselves as the sacrifice and it's right God consumes it God is pleased with it and guess what we continue to live that life that's right that's how we move on that's how we keep hearing from God that's how we stay connected with God Woo! God help us that we will go back to the beginning that we will realize the importance of the beginning of ex- Establishing altars in our lives, establishing altars in our home, establishing altars in our cars, establishing altars in the house of God and continue to lay ourselves upon that altar, continue to give ourselves upon that altar saying, God, here I am. I commit myself to you, not my will, but your will be done. That's how he's going to be pleased. And if there's any sin in our lives before we present ourselves unto God, we say, God, will you be merciful to me? Will you forgive me of my sins? I turn from my ways of ungodliness. I turn from my ways of slothfulness. I turn from my ways, oh God, of all that is not right or pleasing unto you. And I turn myself to you. And I surrender myself to you. And I humble myself to you. For I want to please you and not myself. Whatever you will, let it be done in me, Lord. And when we say that, and we say, God, will you cleanse me from all my sins? 
sins? Will you purge me from all unrighteousness? Will you apply the blood of Jesus Christ to my life one more time that I can be free, that I can be clean? And now you begin to say, here I am, Lord. And God consumes you. Oh God, help us. It's the fire that says God is pleased with offering. Let's stand tonight. We need to build altars. We need to build altars. We need to establish altars in our lives so we can truly give God the honor and the praise. So we can truly present a true and living sacrifice unto God that he will be pleased with. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I thank you tonight for your word, for your spirit, for your power. I thank you, Lord God, for revelation and Lord God. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for faith, O oh God. Now, Lord, I pray that the words that's been spoken in the atmosphere and into our hearing tonight, uh, that, Lord, it will accomplish your will, uh, that, God, something will change in our life. Something will transpire tonight in us, Lord God, that, Lord, we're no longer the same, that we will be compelled to establish altars, Lord God, where we must, uh, that we will be compelled, Almighty God, uh, to establish altars where we must. Uh, will you show us, Lord? Lord God, Lord God, will you stir us and wake us up, Lord God, out of our sleep, Lord God? Will you shake us, Lord God, and remind us, Lord God, that you're looking for fellowship from us, that you're looking for a sacrifice that is pleasing unto you from us, Lord God. And I pray tonight, Lord, that the will of God be done in our lives, that change will take place in every one of us, individually and collectively. Let it be so, Almighty God. Oh God, not our will, but thy will be done, oh God. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for your goodness. I thank you, Almighty God, for just speaking to us and changing us and allowing us, Lord God, to grow in you and to be who you designed us to honor tonight. We give you the praise for there is none like you. There is none like you. Bless this church, oh God, and direct us in the ways that we must go and help us to grow in you, in righteousness, in truth, in faith, in our relationship with you, in maturity. Oh God, have your way tonight. As we give you the honor and the praise, we love you, Jesus, and we honor you. For all these things we pray in Jesus' name. Somebody clap their hands unto the Lord and say, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. God bless you. Have a wonderful evening. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, glory be to God. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Thy will be done. Thy kingdom come. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.